Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Wednesday, August 24th. I'm so proud of tonight's victory, and I'm thrilled that we were able to win while remaining committed to our principles of kindness and progressivism. Congressman Gerald Nadler, who apparently will still be Congressman Gerald Nadler after he won the primary in the newly drawn congressional district that unified the east and west sides of Manhattan from around 14th Street up through the Upper West and Upper East Sides, will play an important piece of Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney's concession speech in that race from last night coming up. And we'll open today generally by going over all the meaningful New York primary results from last night at around 1015 Dan Goldman will join us for a few minutes. Dan Goldman, the projected winner in that primary, that 10th Congressional District primary with a baker's dozen candidates in Lower Manhattan and Northwest Brooklyn. Dan Goldman coming up this morning after his nomination. But there is probably no result more meaningful than the special election, not a primary, that was also held yesterday in the 19th Congressional District, north of the city, a swing district, as many of you know, that went for Donald Trump in 2016 and Joe Biden by just about one point in 2020. Democrat Pat Ryan, the Ulster County executive, defeated Republican Mark Molinaro, the Dutchess County executive, in a race that was widely considered a bellwether election for Swing District America for the fall. This race got a lot of national coverage. Here's Pat Ryan from his victory speech last night. Three months ago, three months ago, we got in this race, unexpectedly, uh, certainly unexpectedly. And from the beginning, people counted us out. The early polls had us down 14 points. Don't forget that. A lot of people counted us out. But we got in this race because the foundations of our democracy were and remain under direct threat. And that is deadly serious. Democracy and abortion rights apparently carried the day over the Republican emphasis on crime and limiting abortion rights. So we'll talk about that race and much more now with WNYC and Gothamist political reporter Elizabeth Kim, who mostly covered that 10th congressional district race that Dan Goldman has been projected the winner of, and Ben Max, executive editor of Gotham Gazette and host of the Max Politics podcast. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Ben. I hope you got a few hours of sleep last night. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. A few is a good... Yeah, it's a good term. A, a few is a good description. Let, and let's begin with that special election. This was the seat that Democrat Antonio Delgado gave up to become lieutenant governor for Kathy Hochul. And so Democrat Pat Ryan now goes straight to Congress. He doesn't have to pass go or anything else. Do you know if he was accurate in that clip that he was originally down by 14 points? I think there was some polling to to, to show that. Um but, you know, the, the, this moved very quickly. So, you know, I don't know how much to really buy into any of the initial polling. There's obviously uh, the whole redistricting mess that was unfolding. Delgado resigning from Congress to become lieutenant governor. Things were shifting very quickly here. These candidates will be running in different districts uh, for the fall very soon. So 
Uh, it got very messy. But but certainly this was a district that Republicans were eyeing and really thinking they had a good shot at taking here. So how did he run? How did he win? So he very much ran uh, after the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade focused on abortion rights. He ran on uh, sort of roots in the district, uh, Ulster County executive. He ran on uh, just very solid sort of Democratic talking points around uh, guns. He's a veteran. He, you know, really abortion and gun control were major focus issues. Um, And he ran on also pointing out uh, you know, some of the things that a lot of Democratic candidates are pointing out about Republicans and questions around democracy and whether the Republican Party is fully committed to the United States democracy and not election lies and overturning election results. Is it tempting for the National Democratic Party to make too much of Pat Ryan's win as a blueprint for swing districts nationally. Yes, this was an even split district between Biden and Trump, but it did also have a Democratic congressman in there already, Delgado, who this was to replace. So there was some propensity to vote Democratic. And the Ulster County part of the district, the more Democratic New Paltz and Kingston side of the river, had the most people. So what do you think the limits are of taking the Ryan campaign as a national blueprint? I think there's some significant limits. This is a special election in August, first of all. So, you know, the amount that can be read into that, no matter what, is limited. There will be, you know, if this election was in on election day, there would be far, far uh, more voters participating. Uh, and, you know, it's not totally clear what that would mean, but this is just a much smaller sort of sample size of voters here. Um, but is there clear uh, evidence around the country that things have been sw- swinging back towards Democrats' way here? Absolutely. You see it in lots of polling. You see it in a variety of other races. So you can you can definitely look at this purple district as something of a bellwether. I would absolutely caution people not to read too, too much into it because every race is different. The candidates themselves matter a lot. Uh, you know, we've been seeing that in many races. But on the flip side of that, Marcus Molinaro, the former gubernatorial candidate, the Dutchess County executive, is a very strong Republican candidate to have run in this race. So it's not like Pat Ryan was facing somebody that would fully turn off a lot of the sort of swing voters or independent mm-hmm. voters. You know, someone who is sort of uh, uh, very Trumpy. Mark Molinaro was was not a, a Trump supporter, uh, which came up in his gubernatorial race. So I think there is a lot to read into this, but of course we should uh, take it with a big grain of salt as a as an August special election. Liz, let's talk about that twelfth congressional district. Gerald Nadler going back to Congress. Carolyn Maloney is not. How did Nadler win? Well, he was already leading in the polls, um, and it seemed as if the New York Times endorsement really. Uh, you know, enhanced his lead and gave him further credibility in that district. So there were already signs that he was ahead. You know, even before the polling, you know, there was a lot of talk that there are more West Side voters and that he would have that West Side advantage. So I think ultimately in the end, you know, people thought it could be close um, because he's facing another senior member of Congress who is also very well liked by members of her her original district. But I think in the end, it was not a huge surprise, I think, to people who had been watching this race evolve that he, he won pretty handily in the end. And he was a bigger name. I don't know if that matters, that he was a bigger name nationally. But as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, 
a lot more people around the country knew Gerald Nadler. He got a lot more media coverage because of impeachment and other things. And I don't know if that translates locally, but I imagine that was one uh, piece of advantage that he had. Imagine so. You know, when I was when I was I was I was very interested that you know he he didn't do too well in the debate, is you know especially the first debate, but that didn't seem to hurt him at all. And you know his opponent uh, really kind of tried to go more negative in the you know in the waning days of the campaign, accusing him of being senile, but. I, you know, as you know, as we could see from the results, that really didn't stick. It, he really relied on his reputation, and you know that turned out to be pretty strong and solid with voters. Yeah, when you say he didn't do so well in the debate, he seemed to struggle with his words at times, and that I guess was a opportunity for his opponents, but also a conundrum for others. You know, do you want to start questioning the guys? Uh, capacity at this point, or is that not fair since he's obviously doing his job? So that was a thing that came up. Um, Nadler and Maloney were both very gracious to each other in their speeches last night, as they have been close allies in Congress over the years before redistricting brought on this run against each other. We played that um, Nadler clip. Here's Maloney from her concession speech. I have called Congressman Nadler to congratulate him on his victory. He is a distinguished member of Congress. I share his progressive values and I wish him every success. But Maloney also said this about something her defeat means not just for her personally as she cited the importance of women in Congress generally. These heroic women fought sexist systems and misogyny that continues today, as we know from my own campaign. So Liz, did gender or any other kind of identity break out as an issue in this race? Nadler, white male, Maloney, white female, Serge Patel, an Indian American male? I don't think so. And I, you know, and I think that, you know, the result speaks for itself. I know that, you know, Maloney and, you know, other candidates in New York 10, you know, other female candidates tried to make that a central part of this race. But in the end, you know, we have, you know, in those two highly, you know, tight races, um, hard fought races, we had, you know, two men winning out, even though, you know, you had, we had Carolyn Maloney, who was trying to run on her track record of expanding women's rights. And we had several women candidates in the 10th district running, you know, along the same themes of, of putting women in power at a moment where abortion rights are at stake. And, you know, who better to fight for those rights, who can understand what's at stake than women. But that didn't, I mean, it, it may have penetrated some, but not enough to, to lift a female candidate to victory. Listeners, we will have uh, Dan Goldman. We're expecting him to call in in about five minutes after being projected the winner in that lower Manhattan and Northwest Brooklyn 10th Congressional District, very crowded primary. Uh, Ben, we were just talking about the special election up in the 19th Swing District. Democrat Pat Ryan beat Republican Mark Molinaro, and we'll go straight to Congress. Here's here's a tweet that's already come come in on that. And you were talking about one of the ways... Um, not to make too much of this is that it was a low turnout special election at the end of August. 
And sure enough, here's a listener who writes, thanks for your segment on the 19th Congressional District special election. That was yesterday. I didn't know it was happening until I heard the segment <laughs> after I went straight to vote. So so there's one listener who didn't know until primary day itself when we were covering that race that that was even a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's indicative. Uh, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the good things, I don't know where people who live in the Hudson Valley go uh, to vacation in the summer. Maybe they stay in the Hudson Valley. So, you know, that, that maybe that's working at cross currents that people, <laughs> people don't leave the Hudson Valley in the summertime where it's so beautiful. They go to <laughs> Brooklyn Heights. But I, right, exactly. but I had, you know, I had bump ins with uh, friends and acquaintances in my neighborhood uh, and elsewhere who were not aware there was a second primary in the days leading up. And if I had not bumped into them, they would not have gone to vote. So, yeah. you know, this was happening all over the place. And with us now for a few minutes, the projected winner of that 13 candidate 10th congressional district primary in lower Manhattan and northwest Brooklyn, former federal prosecutor and MSNBC commentator Dan Goldman, who became best known for being the lawyer for the House Democrats for President Trump's first impeachment, the one about Trump's extortion or blackmail or whatever you want to call it of Ukraine's President Zelensky to try to get him to announce an investigation of Joe Biden. That only ended in 2020. It seems like so long ago. Mr. Goldman, congratulations on the projected victory in that highly scrutinized race. And thanks so much for giving us a couple of minutes on the morning after. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you so much, Brian. It's great to be here and appreciate the congratulations. What do you want to say to the people of the district and to the people of the United States? This is a seat in Congress, after all, about how you hope to serve them, assuming this is finalized and assuming you win the general election in November. Well, I am, uh, first want to say to the people of the, the district that I'm very grateful for the support that we got. Um, and I really look forward to continuing to earn the support of everyone in the district. Um, we, you know, re- we share, I share so many progressive ideals with so many, not only of the other excellent candidates in this race, but all with uh, my opponents who were, uh, I'm sorry, but also with the voters. And so um, I'm eager to to get to work and to continue what we did over the last three months, which was go to every corner of the district uh, to to understand their needs. And, you know, on a national level, obviously, uh, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of policy and pushing it forward. But before we can do that, we need to make sure that we are going to preserve and protect our democracy. And I'm eager to get down to Washington to uh, pitch in in that fight and make sure that's what happens. Let me follow up on a couple of things you said there on learning the needs of everybody in the district for yourself, who's been a prosecutor in the past, not an elected official. There was scrutiny of you for a number of reasons, as you obviously know, including that you come from inherited wealth, while other candidates had more lived experience with housing and other finances and things like that that are closer to the people you'll represent uh, that are, you know, real issues for people you'll represent that you haven't had in your own life. How do you hope to be in touch uh, and, and not out of touch with your constituents in those respects? Well, look, it's, um, you know, I obviously I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that uh, I have been given in this in this life. And that's part of the reason why I've committed my career to public service. And as a prosecutor, I was 
helping communities, protecting communities, trying to make sure that uh, the playing field was level from from the inside. And I look forward to continuing to do that. Um, I think the the way to do that is to do what we did, which is uh, spend time talking to voters, understanding what their needs. I want to work very closely with the city and state elected officials and the various nonprofit groups who are on the ground dealing with so many of the critical issues that so many people face. Um, I am a committed public servant. That's where my, you know, where my drive and where my foundation is. And so I'm, I'm eager to, to do that because ultimately I got into public service because I want everyone to have the opportunities that my family was able to benefit from. You fought Donald Trump in the impeachment. He gave you this sort of sarcastic endorsement on social media the other day. Dan Goldman was a worthy opponent. He did his job very well. I look forward to him going to Congress and me defeating him again, you know, things along those lines. How did you react to that? Well, look, this is just uh, true Donald Trump uh, at, at its core. Um, you know, he it it does go to show, first of all, uh, I think, as we said, that he is concerned that my experience in effectively proving his case during the impeachment will be very valuable in making sure that he doesn't take over the Oval Office uh, by, you know, election or by force, uh, as he will almost certainly try in 2024. But it also shows what a danger he is and the fact that he would try to meddle in a Democratic primary in a House district in New York uh, shows that, you know, he's still very much present. He's still very much around and he's still very much uh, a driving force in the Republican Party. And the Republican Party has been fully co-opted by him, especially in the House. So we're going to need people with, you know, more people with my experience having uh, stood up to them and, and effectively proving you know, the impeachment case and using those same strategies to take on uh, what is a Trumpified Republican Party now. And on protecting democracy, you obviously hope Trump won't be president again. If he's not, how much of a battle do you see yourself having to fight in Congress to preserve democracy even without him and his authoritarian tendencies? Or if he does kind of withdraw from the scene by not running or by losing in 2024. How much does that change that, in your opinion? Well, it's it's hard to predict because, you know, we don't know what the circumstances would be, whether he chooses not to run uh, or ultimately he if he were to actually lose the election and go quietly into the good night, uh, neither of which I think will happen. So part of this is that we have to cut the head off the beast but we are going to need to expose Republicans for being uh, complicit in the authoritarianism and fascism that Donald Trump represents. And we're, we're, we can't be shy about pointing it out. We have to expose it and we have to put them on the spot to explain uh, why they are supporting someone who is a threat to democracy, a threat to uh, and, and now, based on you know the Mar-a-Lago search, appears to be a threat to our national security. At some point, uh, are they ever going to acknowledge that Donald Trump is a blight on our country and needs to be eliminated? Do you have any particular committees that you hope to sit on? I, you know, I haven't gotten that far into it. Obviously, I had 10 years, as you mentioned, as a federal prosecutor in the Department of Justice. And so in many respects... Uh, the Judiciary Committee would make sense, and especially because the ranking Republican member on that committee is Jim Jordan. 
uh, who I, you know, went head to head with during the impeachment investigation. Uh, and I, I would love to be a, a bulwark against uh, his general overreach and exaggeration. Um, but, you know, I, I look forward to talking to, you know, the steering committee and my future colleagues. I'd, I'd like to be a team player and make sure that uh, I, I go where they uh, need me. Uh, and last thing, we mentioned before you came on that last we saw last night, Assemblymember New has not conceded. Uh, you're projected to be the winner of the election by the AP with 26 percent approximately of the vote. She got about 24 percent of the vote. She says she's waiting for all the votes to be counted. I guess that means primarily the absentee ballots to be more fully counted as they're received in the mail over the next few days. Um, have you heard from her directly yet, or how would you describe your declaration of victory with respect to that process still officially going on? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm generally following the AP, um, but also our own internal numbers uh, are pretty clear that this is over. Uh, we, we had mo- a larger percentage of the absentee ballots that have already come in, and there's no reason to think that that will be any different or would overcome our lead. But certainly, you know, she has a right to have all the votes counted. Uh, that's our democracy. And uh, I think it's very important, uh, especially for someone running on a platform of preserving our democracy, that uh, that I support that uh, her desire to do that. And so, uh, you know, if that's if that's what she she wants to do, of course, uh, I, I welcome that. Dan Goldman projected the winner in the Lower Manhattan and Northwest Brooklyn, 10th Congressional District Primary. We really appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thank you very much. And, you know, since there are hardly any Republicans in your district, uh, presumably you're going to win in November. And then, assuming that happens, uh, we look forward to having you many times uh, as you serve your first term. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to that as well. This came from Gothamist and WNYC. Ben Max, executive editor of Gotham Gazette and host of the Max Politics podcast. Thanks both for this morning. Appreciate it a lot. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Thanks, Brian. Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.